to uh, join a team that knew how to look into the future and then how to take the ideas and, and, and implement them was, it was fascinating, it was thrilling, it was exhausting, and I realized I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life because Washington, D.C. really is a swamp. This is the Self Storage Podcast, where we share the knowledge and skills from the industry's leading investors, developers, and operators to help you launch and grow your self-storage business. Your host, Scott Myers, over the past 18 years, has acquired, developed, converted, and syndicated nearly 5 million square feet of self-storage nationwide with the help of his incredible team at selfstorageinvesting.com who has helped thousands of people achieve greatness in self-storage. So, here we are. Here we are. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to selfstorageinvesting.com. I wanted to have this interview in front of our mastermind here live to not only introduce you to the group, but also Self Storage Nation at large in podcast land as well. And so, uh, we thought we would introduce you to uh, the entire community at once. So, um, we are so happy to have you on board. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, first of all, what is your role? Give us your job description as you see it right now. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's it's honestly such a pleasure to be a part of this community. Uh, I joined you. I'm very fortunate to have joined you as the president and COO of your affiliated companies, which is your companies in education and in investing and in the assets themselves. So self-storage investing, the mastermind, and kingdom storage partners. Good. I'm glad that your description matches uh, ours as well. And so, yes. <laughs> good. Um, we've got some exciting things happening as, uh, as we're heading into this next phase in uh, self-storage. And uh, there's only so much of each one of our staff members to go around. And uh, as you've seen in our lengthy um, courting process and uh, looking at um, whether there's a fit between uh, you and our company in that role, um, the goal is to, to have you step in to take over some of the responsibilities that I have on my end. Um, uh, my role is to be mainly the visionary and um, cast where I feel that the industry is going and then how we fit into that and then make those decisions and uh, guide the rest of the staff. And uh, um, good or bad, I can't say that uh, I've succeeded at that in all areas, but knowing that regardless, there's still more attention that needed to be done there. And so um, we're so thankful to have somebody of your caliber to now take over and make those decisions. So that frees me up to do the things that um, that I feel I need to do, which is uh, within, call it my superpower or not, it's where I want to be, and that's raising capital to grow the business. And so uh, we are thankful to have you in those roles. There are a lot of people who are thankful for it because when you operate in your sweet spot, oh my gosh, it's powerful. And so having more of that, freeing up your time so that you can do the things that you're extraordinarily good at is going to be good for us all. Yeah. Well, they're all happy as well because now they finally get answers to their questions. That well, they I have. try. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about uh, your background and how you got to the place uh, with the experience that you've had in self-storage and uh, even prior to that, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit of background on your, um, your very storied history. Well, uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to have a fantastic job coming right out of college. I joined uh, Booz Allen and Hamilton's wargaming team, and it was at the end of the Cold War, which most of us didn't know, but the, the intel made it very clear that the Soviet Union was broke. And so the question was, what will the world look like in the future? And I got to be part of the team that prognosticated that. We've looked out into the future and tried to determine what will be the needs and how can we meet those needs. And then 
also was able to be part of, you know, the, the, the more tactical, more uh, boots on the ground uh, research and development to take the ideas and then take, you know, move the science to technology, the technology to weaponization, weaponization to commercialization. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about, you all have a cell phone, right? You have a smartphone. Back in the day, phones were much bigger than that, weren't they? And it was all a question of batteries. So batteries, what we spent a lot of time on. Drones came out of this research. Um, exoskeletons, a lot of uh, really fascinating technology that helps so many people these days. And being able to do that kind of work, to uh, join a team that knew how to look into the future and then how to take the ideas and, and, and implement them, was, uh, it was fascinating, it was thrilling, it was exhausting, and I realized I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life because Washington, D.C. really is a swamp. So getting out of the swamp brought me to Phoenix, Arizona, where I got married and had a family. And, you know, life brings you a lot of things. And in one of those, uh, one of those troughs that life brought me, uh, a friend was, was talking to someone. It was at a church. And this, this happened to be a, a developer who said to her, I just need help. And so she called her daughter. Her daughter called me. I called him. We had lunch the next day. And the day after that, I was writing his business plans for self-storage. He had several assets in the United States and was looking to go to Hong Kong, China, Japan, Guam. So we actually wrote business plans before there was any storage in most of those places, way back in the 19, in the, in the, just after the turn of the, of the of millennium, 2002, 3, 4. And uh, then also I helped him run his portfolio here. Um, each one of them exited with a fabulous exit, uh, market high sales. And uh, so learned basically all of the business from concept to exit from him. That was Greg Kreisenbach with Huca Pacific Development. Uh, and then had the opportunity to run a state association there in Arizona. And um, then, uh, you know, again, someone needed help. You know, I, I asked a friend, so how's this new venture you're doing called Store Local? Uh, and, and the answer was, man, we just got the best idea. I, I need a business plan. I don't have time to write it. Well, I've basically been writing business plans since the 1980s, and so started writing business plans for that organization, and they asked me to join them to implement them, which I did. They're up and running. They're strong. They're going, uh, you know, they're going strong. And so it was great to start talking to Scott about a new challenge with a company that basically gives hope to people in the industry. People, you don't know this, but you, the mastermind, are, you're an organization people watch. And they look at you and they say, maybe I can do it too. Maybe there's a way for me to get in. How can I get in? How can I be like them? How can I do what they've done? And I, I don't know that you know what a beacon of hope you are for people who have not yet made it, who have not yet entered, who want to enter, and to be able to help more of those people succeed in this wonderful industry. It, it, it motivates me every single day. Well, again, we are so happy because of the incredible pedigree that you have and being able we're not as exciting as war games i mean so storage is is exciting you want to do a war game <laughs> we can do a war game uh, let's say that for the second <laughs> podcast how about that round two how's that but the experience that you have and, and really the approach that you take to looking out in the future and anticipating you know what what, what you've had that experience in wargaming and, and working for washington dc and and others and in the business plans in anticipation of looking forward you know, this is a self-storage is a pretty static industry. There's not a whole lot of this is really shaking this industry up. I mean, from we have economic cycles and the capital stack changes. 
um, kiosks were probably the biggest change that we've seen and, uh, and then going to unmade. Bought Robert Chidi's first one. How? And, and, <laughs> and we bought into that uh, very early on as well. But outside of that, there's really not a whole lot, except, you know, we are looking at seeing some changes, not only, um, you know, here in this country, in our, in our industry, there's some um, threats uh, that we potentially see that maybe oh, personal storage, uh, you know, like an Uber of uh, self-storage and some other things that we've been talking about here at this mastermind and, and, else, uh, and elsewhere. But what are, what are some of the trends, maybe some of the threats or opportunities, you know, all of those that you're seeing as you, as you look out across the, the landscape after being in the industry for 20 years now? So technology is a game changer, and it is certainly changing our game. We were talking, you know, in the back table about marketing, and folks have been talking from the, from the stage here at the Mastermind and also among the tables, among yourselves, about AI chatbots, about remote management, about um, using software to solve problems to connect one piece of technology to another. Um, that is a game changer. The way we have done business in the past, uh, it, it doesn't work anymore because Amazon has trained the American consumer to expect a certain level of service. And if we don't offer that in our office, which is our consumer website, they're gonna go on to another website that will offer that to them. So if you think about your consumer website where your prospects find you 80% of the time, think of that as your office. Remember how much attention you used to pay to your office, how it looks, how it smells, the coffee, the donuts. Well, that's the kind of attention you need to pay to your website these days. And adding the different features that make it more powerful make you more powerful. There's all, also, there are some, well, so that is a threat in and of itself, because if you don't do it and everybody else does, mm -hmm. you will be left in the dust. Fortunately, the people in this room, the people in the mastermind are already looking at that. They're already implementing it and they're all, they're already iterating it. So you're improving it. But um, some of the risks that we don't control, some of the threats that we don't control, they're coming from planning and zoning. They're coming from uh, local government. They're coming from state government because so many government entities are hungry. You know, they're looking for money. And they, they know, like all of the wannabe investors, that this is a very profitable industry. And so they're changing the way they regulate. Uh, for instance, a business, ta a business license that used to be $300 a year can be changed into a progressive tax that can cost between $12,000 and $25,000 a year. That just happened in California. One municipality did it. Two or three others are already copying them. So... They're, the kind of risks that we're facing on a local level, they're, they're mounting. And, and if I, I, I always support state associations, and I'm going to put a plug in for them now. Whatever states you're operating in, you should be a part of the state association because there, there are deep pockets that can help us with lobbying, and the, the self-storage association certainly does, but they can't do what you can do because you have addresses in, in, in uh, districts and your home address, your business address, your manager's address, those are, you are all constituents and you have a much more powerful grassroots voice when you go to the legislature, when you go to the planning and zoning, when you go to the regulatory boards because they don't wanna hear from REITs. They don't wanna hear from businesses that don't have local roots. So I, I encourage you to be active members of your state associations. I know a lot of you already are. And I, I would echo that as well. I, I think one of the most overlooked returns on investment that we can have is uh, the small amount of dollars that we send back to the state associations for what they do on our behalf in terms of lobbying. And, uh, and we, we've seen it. You've read it in the magazine several places 
where they've uh, thwarted bills that would uh, would just be crushing in some instances, and, and others just a mere nuisance. But uh, for that, I, I will write that check happily uh, mm-hmm. every single year uh, to belong to our state associations for what they do. You know, it's it's a kind of a funny comparison, but um, something most of us don't think about in terms of national security is that the best service that we have, we never even hear about because terrorism is effective when you hear about it. So if you don't hear about thousands of attempts that are thwarted, that's actually a victory. And that's what state associations do. They have defensive measures to prevent business unfriendly regulations from impacting your business. Most of their victories are in defense against bad regulations, as opposed to victories like modernizing the lien laws. Those are few and far between. But the defensive wins, they outnumber the, the offensive victories, probably five to one. So there are many threats that are facing us and always and new ones that are unforeseen. And so, again, also being part of the, those state associations and being plugged into masterminds and communities like ours brings those awareness. Uh, we just uh, learned to hear the past couple of days about um, some unfair language to borrowers that showed up in some lending documents that uh, that uh, is going to um, yes. um, hopefully save a few folks from uh, making some uh, big mistakes by not looking at, uh, at our legal documents. But shifting from those and, and always keep being mindful of them, Henry, what do you see as the biggest opportunity in front of us right now as an industry? Using technology to meet consumer demands is critical. And fortunately, we don't have to invent that wheel. We have to watch people who do it well and copy them. A lot of times, it's not the first person who makes the money on a new idea. It's the second person because the first money, first person runs out of money and the second person can go in and buy it low and then, and then you know, iterate on their great ideas. So we see uh, all of the REITs buying remote portfolios. They're doing that so that they can figure out how, how it works and how to, how to scale it. We have people in this room who are already doing that, which is terrific. Um, I love the talk that we had about uh, the, the, the various questions and the answers we've had about writing your own code to patch technology together because there's no technology provider who's going to be able to anticipate all of your needs or even want to solve for all of your needs. But you can hire code writers who can. Software development is, is easily available, especially since COVID, because a lot of the, um, the, the software writers, the software code writers, left their big companies and they became independent. So you can hire one person now instead of an entire team. And I mean, that's a huge opportunity just in and of itself. But I think using technology is effectively is our biggest opportunity to, to continue to succeed. Uh, I think you're right in the fact that uh, not only is tech going to change things, but uh, also we don't have to be the first. We can look to other industries and also other parts of the world that are also doing storage and doing business very similar to ours. Uh, we're becoming a society, not just here in the U.S., but worldwide, that we, we just want the done for you. Um, fewer and fewer pickup trucks are being sold because people don't want to haul stuff. They want to do anything, and that that is trickling down into our industry as well. We're seeing that... Um, People don't want to put stuff in their car and even take it to storage. You know, they don't they don't want to walk into a three story uh, self storage facility and get out a freight elevator anymore. You know, the premium units are the ones that are at ground level, and people now they just don't even want to drive to the facility. And so our industry is rapidly changing towards one where it is app based. It looks more like Uber Eats, and um, somebody shows up and either picks up your stuff or they pack it up and pick it up and take it over to um, storage. And now location isn't as critical as it used to be in all instances. It doesn't have to be within one to three miles. 
Um, it just means that, uh, that this person is, if you look at the app is a uh, real close by and you click on the button mm -hmm. and he or she comes and picks up your stuff and takes it to who knows where all you know is that, um, you know, with a, with a flick of a button, they're going to show up tomorrow with your stuff when you want it back again. Mm -hmm. And so that in terms of technology, I think is going to change, uh, call it dramatically or not, but then also AI, you know, we, we also had a presentation on that, um, this week as well. And that is going to change all facets of all businesses and, and those who adopt that early, who dig in and learn how to implement that to reduce expenses and get ahead of the game and just quite honestly move faster, um, are going to have the advantage in the beginning. Um, so we're going to fall behind and it's going to be, you know, like everything else we've seen in self-storage, uh, from those owners that, that put a website in place in the beginning to those that didn't, well, the ones that didn't, they fell behind. And I think, uh, AI is going to have that, a big shift, uh, very early on. That's going to be a competitive advantage for those that are willing to dig in and, uh, and learn. Absolutely. We were talking about it at the marketing table just in the last session. And, uh, you know, if you can have an AI chatbot on your website that answers 93% of inquiries without human intervention, without human involvement, think about how many hours that saves on the phone. That's a lot of labor hours saved. And you get the immediate satisfaction that the consumer is looking for. So that's just, that's one example about how it's already happening. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, IBM thinks that 30% of, of, of healthcare tasks can be automated by chatbot AI chatbot technology. Healthcare tasks are very complicated. Self-storage tasks are not complicated. How much of our regular tasks can be automated? A lot of them. The, one of the challenges in our wonderful industry is that it's not enormous. You know, there, there, is, there are there are 800,000 restaurants in the United States. There are only about 55,000 self-storage properties. So how big, how much money is there available to write technology, to write code specifically for us? Um, and that makes the independent software code developer even more valuable to us, especially with younger people coming into the industry who are digital natives. And, uh, you know, when, when a problem is posed, their first thought is, how can AI solve that? I love that approach. I mean, I find myself, when I'm on a website that has a chat bot and doesn't answer me right away, I find myself getting aggravated. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't grow up with AI chat bot technology, but if I don't have an immediate answer, I'm wondering, well, what's wrong with you? I want my immediate answer. Yeah. That's where we've gotten to, the done for you in, in all instances uh, from information to tasks being done. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's exciting. It is. It is. When I, when I joined Booz Allen in Hamilton, there was this nerdy guy who sat in an office right next to the partner. And I asked him, Fred, what do you do? I do artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence? Tell me, what is that? I got to know what is fake intelligence, right? And so he told me that it had, been, it had already been in development 20 or 30 years. This was in the 1980s. And now it's coming to fruition. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the COVID-19, uh, the, 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 um, the vaccination, that was the culmination of 60 years worth of technology being developed in many different verticals. It happened like that, but that was after 60 years of research and development, you know, like the kind of stuff that we did yep. back when we knew the Cold War was going to end and the word jihad was a totally new vocabulary word to all of us. Mm -hmm. But when you do that thinking now and you look out into the future, you know, you might think it's going to be 20 years, but it turns out to be five, or maybe it turns out to be two. So looking out to imagine what is the consumer going to want? I mean, you just actually leapfrogged ahead of the consumer journey because 
when I think about people who don't want to move their own stuff, I think about a driverless car going to a smart access, driving itself to a smart access facility, gate opens, gate closes, driving up to a unit, door opens, what happens next? The last 10 feet, how do you automate the last 10 feet? Does a human being unpack it all and stack it? Is there technology to do that? Is there machinery to do that? Yeah. Uh, well, the only guess is uh, it comes by way of prepackaged boxes with, uh, with uh, barcodes on it, and um, this is the box that we want. Consumer right, wants. but so it still has, to be, still has to be moved. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not the last mile automation. It's the last 10 feet. That's a fun challenge to think about solving. Without a doubt. Expensive. Don't be the first. Be the second. <laughs> so before we get too far ahead of ourselves uh, and having a robots rule the world, um, what is the most exciting piece of technology that is uh, in use today, either early adoption or is in use today that uh, you've been a part of that you've seen that has been a game changer? I, I think that, um, that there are several PMSs and PMS-like apps that are very exciting. Uh, and, and what is most exciting about them is that they have open API, which means that uh, if you have Veritech or ProRise, which is really good at uh, RevMan, you don't have to develop RevMan capability. You can integrate with that RevMan capability. Or if you have call center technology that someone has already developed and proven, then you don't have to develop uh, telephony or, or, or uh, call center technology. You can just patch it in by way of integration. So I think open API is critical. Mm -hmm. I think it's critical for the independent owner operator because um, monopolies are not your friend. The first monopoly in our industry was, you know, it was an orange one. It's U-Haul. U-Haul really is the first one. And they have so much money that they just buy one of anything they like. Um, and there are, there are vendors who are doing similar things now in, in our industry. So the smarter and more demanding you are about what you want your technology to do for you, the better served you're going to be. And the more you can join together and amplify your voice, the better. So the, the integration of technology is what's most exciting to me right now in the, in the tech field. I think we've seen outside of technology, the benefits and the power of being integrated in terms of property management, bringing construction in-house, um, having control of um, you know, fund management for the private equity, running a financial services company if you're raising private equity rather than outsourcing all of that. Um, first of all, it's a, it's a feather in your cap if you are raising private equity and working with partners to say that we control all those expenses because we own the company <laughs> and it's a pass-through. So there isn't a property management company and not to demonize any of them. Um, we worked with many and that we continue to utilize property management companies when it makes sense uh, to do so. But if we can, we have the ability to bring it in-house um, property management companies generally, you know, they, they, they charge a fee and they're for a profit. Um, management to us is a necessary evil, but we utilize it to drive NOI. And if we can reduce those expenses and increase income, that is our goal. And sometimes they, they compete. Same thing with fund management. Those companies that are to make a profit, we want it to be a pass-through because ultimately our money is made by the power of the cap rate when we sell. And so that's what we are looking to do. Conversely, uh, when we're looking at technology integration, um, I'm a shiny object guy. Mm -hmm. uh, I admit it's 100%. And um, if there's a new piece of technology, a new app, a new something, um, my staff says, oh, here he comes again with another one. And just like, I heard this podcast. I listened. I saw this demo. 
let's get it because um, it's going to do all these things. And you can find yourself being siloed and you have data pieces all over the place with no integration. And if you don't, we've been talking a lot about this in the past couple weeks. If you don't have a dashboard, if you don't have a scoreboard and nobody knows how to read the scoreboard mm -hmm. uh, and you don't know how to make decisions from the scoreboard, then you're going to lose the game, That's right. period. That's right. And and if you don't have integration of your data points, your technology to be able to make decisions from those, um, it's just not going to work. So uh, they do have to talk to each other and they do have to roll up to a number mm -hmm. or numbers. And those are your KPIs, your key performance indicators. Anything else is a, a shiny object and it is a distraction. So and you need to look at them mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. You need to look at your MSR for your properties regularly. And you need to look for where are your leaks, uh, where are your weaknesses, where are your opportunities. We were talking about this earlier, weren't we? Um, it, it's critical. keeping Because right now, we're at a time when poor operations are not going to cut it. A lot of people who have entered the industry in the past, you know, four, five, six years, uh, they've, they've had it really easy and, and you, it was okay to be sloppy in, in recent past years. It's not anymore. Um, you, you have to have efficient, excellent operations or you're going to get slammed online and you're going to lose customers. Yeah. You said something the other day when we were talking that you, uh, you were talking to a, a, a buyer about a beautiful class A facility, new, gorgeous, and it was one. And this buyer who had always been interested in the past wasn't because he's only going to look at portfolios, which, you know, that really weighs heavy on my mind because there are a lot of us who don't have a portfolio, but we have individuals. And so how do you put the individual properties together uh, in an appealing way to each individual owner into one portfolio buyer? Uh, it's important. It is important. And we're working on that. Mm -hmm. So more to come. Mm -hmm. So, Henry. What is the one question that I should have asked you that, uh, that I, I should have? Uh, perhaps even uh, I'll even give you liberty to talk about our company. Okay. Well, you know, when I joined your company after several months of conversation, uh, you know, you can kick the tires and you can check the oil when you're, um, when you're in the, the, the talking stages. But mm -hmm. you can't really, you know, open the, open the hood and check the engine until you're part of the organization. And when I did that, what I found was the company is filled with people who love their jobs, they love what they do. They love the company. They love the founder. They love the industry. They love all of you. They love everyone that they work with. They love being able to help people make dreams come true. They're hungry for more, to be able to help more people. They're hungry to problem solve. And I feel like I've died and gone to heaven. It is great to be in an environment like this. So thank you all for giving me that opportunity. Well, Anne-Marie, I don't think there's anything I can do to top that or uh, end this interview. So uh, once again, um, we are so happy to have you on board. And uh, we know that the future is bright within our company and in the industry. And so we're looking forward to uh, really big things uh, to come and uh, working together with you closely to make that happen. So thank thanks you. to you. Thank you once again. Thanks for taking time out today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>